With Taysom last year, and I, I know it's only four games, but it's literally the only four-game stretch that Michael Thomas had where he was healthy. It was on pace for 157 targets, 127 receptions, and 1,450 yards. Do I see two games with nine receptions for over 100 yards? Yes. That's 19 fantasy points. To be fair, they were both against Atlanta. I but... don't care. <laughs> I don't care. But, yeah, I mean, he, so he, he was putting up great numbers with Taysom Hill. Who oh. You're like, oh, he's not a quarterback. Like, if you're going to call anyone a running back who plays quarterback, it's Taysom Hill. But he still put up, you know, pretty good points. Obviously, he didn't score a touchdown, so we, I'm not going to average that's out nine, touchdowns. That's, but 19 that's 19 fantasy points, points a game. Without a touchdown. So if there wasn't a touchdown, you're 25 fantasy points. I'm taking that all day long. And you're getting, and you're getting this man in the third round. Hello and welcome to our newest episode of the Fantasy Football Fellas. I am Cameron, this is Lucas, and we got Ty on the end. Fellas, how are we doing today? Doing well, doing well. It's a Tuesday. It's a Tuesday. Uh, You know how I feel about Tuesdays. Now that I'm not hosting, I feel like I need to go on my rant of why I hate Tuesdays so much. All you. Monday is the start of the week, okay? You know, you're... People say Monday is the worst day of the week, and I would disagree because Mondays is the day, um, you know, it's fresh off of the weekend. It's the start of the week. It's not fun, but Wednesdays, it's at least halfway through the week. And you're like, oh, yes, I'm halfway through the week. We're almost done. Hump day. Do this, right? Right. It's the home stretch. Thursday, you're saying, man, Friday is right in sights. I can see it uh, one day away, and then Friday, it's the freaking weekend, right? What do you have on Tuesday? Freaking weekend. <laughs> oh, it's the day after Monday. Day before Wednesday, though. <laughs> I mean, what, what's there to look forward to on Tuesday? Taco Tuesday. <laughs> Taco John's on me, gentlemen. I mean, if you're LeBron James, I get it, but no, Tuesday's the worst day of the week. There's nothing. There's nothing to look forward to on Tuesday except for us recording the fancy football. Yeah. That's the only thing to look forward to on Tuesdays. I mean, you guys don't get it till Wednesday, but we get, that, we get the joy of having it. <laughs> I was going to say. So, so, so really, Tuesdays suck if you're you. Your Tuesdays suck. Ours are ours are great. All right. <laughs> Sorry to break it to y'all, but. So this episode, instead of doing a mailbag at the end, we're going we're gonna to talk about some big headlines that came up really today um, or the last the two days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in football in general and fantasy football more in particular, um, I'll start probably the most, like the news we don't want to hear the most is Cam Akers is out for the year on Achilles tear. He was, I mean, he had a real promising end of the year, great playoff run. Uh, was looking to be maybe sneaking into the, for sure, top 15 running backs this year in redraft, um, higher in dynasty. And... You know, just an Achilles tear is nothing to mess with, that's for sure. So, Lucas, what does that what does that mean fantasy-wise for us about this Cam Akers Achilles tear? I, it's, first and foremost, it's awful news. Um, I, 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 I quote tweeted, 
uh, gosh, I don't remember who broke the news, but I quote tweeted them on Twitter today. I said, this is why you don't have your fantasy football drafts until after yeah. training camp. But as like a joke, but then, you know, at the end it's like, okay, but actually like this sucks. Like yeah. you never want to hear this kind of news in terms of fantasy. I mean, it's tough. It, I feel like the second round becomes a lot easier to pick in terms of your running backs now because Cam Akers was the guy everyone was like, you either think he's going to have an awesome year or you think he's, mm-hmm. you know, well, he'll, he'll be you know, running back 15 or so. But um, in terms of, I mean, it's Daryl Henderson's backfield now. Um, the two backup running backs for the Rams, I don't even have their names off the top of my head and I should have grabbed them. But what I do know, one was a seventh-round pick in the 2020 draft and one was uh, a uh, undrafted free agent in 2020. Uh, so that goes to show how much the backfield is Daryl Henderson's and the lack of competition there. As of right now, they're not interested in signing another running back out of free agency, which is a joke. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, if you can't even trust Daryl Henderson when Malcolm Brown and, I mean, and Cam Akers proved himself, but if you can't even trust Daryl Henderson with, with, with those two around who kind of gave him a run for his money, then you need somebody else, whether it's Le'Veon Bell. Uh, I know Todd Gurley didn't leave on the greatest terms, but hey, let's get a Todd Gurley reunion party going. Uh, I'd tune in for that every week. Um, who else? Is, Duke Johnson is out there still. Um, Adrian th- Peterson. Adrian Peterson, right. Yeah. I mean, seriously, there's there's notable names out there who could make a splash on the Rams. So, um, yeah, unless if they really want to put the ball in Daryl Henderson's hands, which they haven't wanted to do in the past maybe Matt Stafford uh, sees an uptick now. He's going to be throwing the ball more. Uh, they got enough weapons. Yeah, they got enough <laughs> weapons, right, to make it happen. So, I don't know. Um, yeah. The running game is going to be brutal uh, just because I don't think they want to give the ball to Daryl Henderson. They've never wanted to resort to that. So. For sure. For sure. Uh, Ty, I'll give you any last thoughts, and then you can just transition yourself into your headline. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, no, nothing really else to right, add about right. the Rams. Um Stafford's going to get to throw the ball a little bit more, I there guess. So maybe look for Woods and Cup and taking Stafford probably round four. Yeah, I mean, you're, I mean, your guy. <laughs> oh no! Right after Mahomes. <laughs> I was going to say Gerald Everett, but he's in Seattle now. Oh yes. man, Tyler Higby, baby. <laughs> We're all aboard the Higby train. Um, that's really about it with right. the Rams. Um, Service up that headline. Yeah. So my headline, I think it was actually. A little before the Cam Akers news broke, uh, there uh, there was a tweet um, from a guy named Adam Schefter. I don't know if you guys have heard of him before. Or... It's for Yahoo Sports, right? Yeah, it's something like that. All something right, like right, that. Right. Um, at Adam Schefter. If no, you wanna... no name beat reporter Adam Schefter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's not anonymous. <laughs> um, he sent out a tweet this morning saying, This offseason... The Packers offered Aaron Rodgers a two-year contract extension that would have tied him to Green Bay for five more seasons and made him the highest-paid quarterback and player in football. Rodgers declined the offer, proof it's not about the money. And I think a lot of people will instantly react to it as, oh, it's Aaron Rodgers, like, that's got to mean something. Yes. I want to bring us back to... Whatever day the draft was. It was a Thursday night. That's all I remember. That's all I remember. April 23rd. April 23rd. There it is. Or 22nd. One of the two. One of those two. (laughs) And news broke that Aaron Rodgers wanted out, right? Yep. And there were three main takeaways from that headline. One, uh, Packers brass were constantly flying out to California to meet with Rodgers. Second, 
Rodgers wanted out. And third, that Rodgers had turned down an extension at the beginning of the offseason. So all this to say, this tweet by Schefter or this news by Schefter is nothing new. Rodgers has preached about it all offseason. It's not about the money. It's about the people. It's about the culture. This shouldn't be anything new. And I can understand why people Mm -hmm. treat it as something new. But this is the exact same news that broke back in April. So this is Schefter just saying, hey, I want to put this back out on the radar, get my name back out there again so people don't forget about me, right? And in the wise words of Tom Brady, he's unhappy with his boss and has no options. (laughs) (laughs) Which leads us to our next headline, Lucas. Let me tell you what, this might be the most important headline you hear today. No, I'm kidding. That Cam Akers headline is is far more important than than Aaron Rodgers too. But, then this is more so, I just needed something to talk about. And I just really wanted to talk about this. Tom Brady's personal trainer, life coach, diet guru, uh, Alice Guerrero, says he expects the Buccaneers quarterback to play at least two more seasons. That puts Tom Brady at his retired age. 45. Tom Brady is the GOAT. We got two more great seasons of greatness. Uh, and maybe Brady falls off then. I don't know. But I'll tell you what right now. I'm the biggest Brady fan uh, of all my groups of friends. Uh, they hated that I rooted for him. The Super Bowl, they wanted me to leave. Tom Brady, second round dynasty pick. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. He's saying don't do it just so he can. You do realize that, though. Hey, hey. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. Uh, I mean, it's still, I mean, the fact that we even get two more years of Brady, I mean, Alex Guerrero knows best. Yeah. He knows best. Um, I mean, Brady probably knows best because he knows his own body. But I still think it's news. Um, but Brady's going to be around for a while. I think he still means he'll probably still be fantasy, like, Dominant, I would say, this year again. For so, sure, yeah. if he's got two more years in the tank, I think Brady's got another another top ten fantasy season in him. So, all right, which we'll talk about this week, not this episode. Yes, but. for sure. So, actually, this episode we're gonna we're staying in the NFC South because it's our NFC South week. We're gonna start with the Panthers and the Saints. Who we got going two and three in this division, right? Or or were we thinking? Or no, two and four is what we got. Yeah. We got Saints at two, and we don't know about the Panthers. That's the how Buccaneers we'll are winning the division. That's, how that's we'll what we'll that's always And that's the only that's thing that really matters, matters. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we're starting with, let's start with the Panthers' newest addition. Good old Sam Darnold. I'm seeing ghosts. He sees ghosts. <laughs> who had an incredible career year last year in 12 games. Started with 2,200 yards, 9 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. Lucas... Is there any hope for Sam Darnold this year? Yes, there is, and it's simply for the fact that he is not playing under Adam Gase anymore. I don't care what you say. People, you can say, Sam Darnold is trash. He is not trash. He played under Adam Gase, and that is the fact. Um, I mean, I have my QB 26, so clearly my outlook isn't great on Sam Darnold. Um, But uh, he's also going to be a guy where the Panthers – we saw it with Teddy last year to produce good fantasy um, wide receivers. You don't necessarily need a top 25 quarterback to do it. To, I mean, I think mm-hmm. Teddy was higher than 25, but um, I guess my point being is that there's, I mean, there's a lot of other options out there. I don't, Darnold isn't worth really looking at in your fantasy leagues, but 
I mean, I, I think Darnold can get a second chance here in Carolina. I really do. Um, I, his numbers were atrocious, but gosh, I am just such a believer that if you're in the Adam Gase system, you are just infinitely worse than what your potential could be. So 100%. Uh, I'm rooting for Sam Darnold this year. Don't... I can't say I have the greatest outlook for him, but, man, uh, Sam Darnold, if you're listening to this, uh, I'm rooting for you, man. Uh, mm-hmm. Hopefully you get that Adam Gase curse shaken off here. Yeah. And, I mean, we look back, I mean, that's been proven. Ryan Tannehill was under the Ryan or Adam Gase, and then he came to Tennessee and is now looked at as a top maybe 10 quarterback. Mm-hmm. So, who knows? Maybe something similar is in store for Sam Darnold. We're not going to say it is. We're, I don't think any – I mean, all he's our consensus – Quarterback twenty six, all all across the board we go twenty twenty six. So he's not someone you should be drafting, but he's he's got weapons on his team, and finally, finally. <laughs> so let's jump right into the, our unanimous number one player in fantasy, Christian McCaffrey. Tyler, give us your thoughts on the dynamite player that is Christian McCaffrey. Don't be cute with Christian <laughs> McCaffrey. Like there are too many people that are like, well. He's coming off of a massive injury. He did play in some games last yes. year, so it wasn't the same injury that kept him out all year. It was a different injury, or he re-aggravated it or yeah. whatever, right? Again, don't be cute with it. Christian McCaffrey is by and far the number one pick in almost any format in any kind of fantasy draft. There's really no – I mean, we are Vikings fans – we love Dalvin Cook. We love Dalvin Cook. But we know that Christian McCaffrey <laughs> is the number one running back and player in fantasy for a reason. So, again, don't be cute with it. Christian McCaffrey, if you're picking first, it better be Christian McCaffrey. And if it isn't, pitchforks. And, <laughs> and we, we don't care about the format. No. We're picking Christian McCaffrey across the board. PPR, half PPR, standard, best ball, dynasty, super flex, dynasty. I don't care what rules you have. If it's not McCaffrey, someone in your league better call for help. Um, can I just throw two quick stats about McCaffrey? Oh, please. please. I have some, too. So, so if, you, if you take McCaffrey's 2019 and then you average it out with the three games that he played, he is averaging five more points than Cook and Kamara both scored last year and ten more points than Derrick Henry, who's in fourth place. On a per-game basis? On a per-game basis. He's oh. averaging 30 points per game. Oh. Derrick Henry had, like, the year of, like, a decade as a running back, and he is averaging 10 more points per game than Derrick Henry. Oh. Also, last year, Aaron Jones finished at RB5. Christian McCaffrey played three games. Christian McCaffrey had the same amount of top six finishes as Aaron Jones did last oh. year. Oh. And if you were wondering, it was, no. it's three top six three. finishes. Oh, no. <laughs> so we're saying he was hurt. Well, he came back and still dropped 39 points. So, I mean, don't get cute with Chris McCaffrey. Lucas, you said you had a couple couple last things on Chris McCaffrey? Just averaging out his 2020 season. I know it was three games of small sample size, but but hear me out. Just just bear with me here. Some pace for 26 rushing touchdowns, 1,200 rushing yards, 90 receptions, 790 receiving yards, five receiving touchdowns. That would total out uh, with no fumbles or anything like that, uh, no negative points. That would be 385 points. So oh. it'll put him at running back one ahead of Alvin Kamara. So that was a down year compared to 2019, in case you're wondering. It was, yes. <laughs> it, it was oh, a down year. Man. Don't get cute with McCaffrey. He's your guy. Uh, hands down, we can move on now because yeah. there's no more. We, we could beat this drum all day. Yep. All right. Uh, any two, 
how do you even say his name? See, I can't Chuba, say it. Chuba, Chuba Hubbard. Hubbard. Chuba Hubbard. See, I want to say Chuba Hubbard. But I, I know that's wrong. So Chuba <laughs> Hubbard. Any fantasy value? Any any reason you would take him in the end of the... If you're a McCaffrey owner, I think you should. And, and that's just coming off of an injury. Um, I, we're, we're, don't draft him hoping McCaffrey gets injured, right? Because no. that's not why you would draft Chuba Hubbard. But I, me personally, if I'm drafting McCaffrey, uh, just because it's a year after that injury... Uh, I just want to. I, I just want to make sure I have insurance for at least the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just me personally, but I don't think you need to. I don't think you need to go go out and get him in drafts or anything. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna pause because I made a mistake. In back to back weeks, we have skipped a famous segment now on this podcast. Oh. So hot take tie. I'm not the only chump out here, <laughs> and. We need to we need to do it justice because a little foreshadowing has something to do with the player that's coming up next. Yeah, so, yeah. Tyler, why don't you give us your hot take for this episode? Yeah, you didn't you didn't forget this is merely just transitioning oh. into the next position. Well, thank group, you, right? thank editor, you. cut that part yeah, out. Like it was meant to be. Me. <laughs> so, still don't have an editor. <laughs> we don't. Hey, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. As I kind of foreshadowed a little bit, we're transitioning into the Panthers wide receiver room a little bit. Last year, it was Curtis Samuel, who I'm unapologetically high on. Higher on, I should say. I'm not super high, but I'm higher on him. (laughs) Uh, DJ Moore, uh, former first round, or first, second, first round pick. I'm pretty sure he's a first. I believe he was a first round pick. I'll stat check while you continue to. Yeah, confirm that for me. And Robbie Anderson. And uh, Curtis Samuel's now out of the picture. Uh, and now they drafted Terrace Marshall Jr. out of LSU. Um, but I'm not worried about Marshall, and I'm not really concerned about Robbie because Robbie outproduced DJ Moore last year to an extent. So I'm going to focus on DJ Moore. A lot of people like to think that he's a wide receiver too because he's still 24, 25. He's still got that younger upside, and he's entering year number three, three I believe. Yep. So there is room for... Um, increased production. A lot of people like to um, like to say, and they have him. In my opinion, they have him going at his ceiling. They have him going in the mid-teens, the late late teens, early twenties. And I'm here to tell you that DJ Moore does not belong in the wide receiver two territory or conversation. He is a flex player. I will give you these stats to back it up. DJ Moore finished 19th in targets with 118, which is fairly modest that's and pretty solid. good. That's solid. He finished 9th with 1,193 yards. But, but, he was tied for 30th with 66 receptions. That wasn't good. His that's not good. Really that's year. not good. That's about 50% reception rate. <laughs> Basically. And you could chalk it up to Teddy Bridgewater throwing him the ball, but I he's got Sam Darnold, yeah. so it's not like it's a huge improvement. <laughs> Sam Darnold, up and coming this year. Come on, Sam. I digress. Four touchdowns. He didn't really score at all. <laughs> to put this into an average yards per catch, it was 18 yards a catch. That was second behind Nelson Aguilar in terms of um, – all starters in the mm-hmm. NFL, I'll say. 
So he is solely a big play wide receiver. He only will catch the deep ball. He's never been used in the short or in, you know, over the middle of the field. He's down the field always. To me, that does not make you a wide receiver too because nine times out of ten, the most amount of deep balls that you catch in a game, four, five, if that. If your name is Julio Jones, sure. Yeah, you'll get all five of those. You'll put up 150 yards or whatever. But DJ Moore is not Julio Jones. He is not an elite downfield receiver. So, again, I can understand the wide receiver two talk, upside, age. I mean, he's he seems like he's walking into a good wide receiver two situation. But he's just a flex play. And that's mm-hmm. all he is. So we got DJ Morris going about late fourth, early fifth. Lucas, how about you talk to us about the other Carolina receiver who's going in that middle of the eighth round? How how does he compare to DJ Moore for you? Or what what is your I guess what is your outlook for Robbie Anderson this year? Uh I like Robbie. Um one quick thing on DJ Moore before I ta- transition to that. First seven weeks of the season, DJ Moore was wide receiver 13. It's my only counterpoint. Otherwise, I had the exact same notes. And then when you put it the way Tyler did, actually, it's it makes a lot of sense. So um, this is why we think, as a whole, really, um, <clears throat> excuse me, we we like Robbie Anderson. Uh, wide receiver 27, I have him at. Uh, tw- wide receiver 19 in 2020. He's the highest scoring Carolina Panthers wide receiver. Uh, he reunites with Darnold, and I mean, look, I, we've already caught some flack on our TikTok for uh, saying uh, don't draft DJ Moore in the fifth, but Robbie Anderson in the eighth. And people people are saying, well, Robbie got away from Darnold because he was trash. Well, yeah, okay. I mean, this isn't it hasn't been pretty, but the one the one number I hold on to that that means something to me. Uh, this is back 2018 now when they were both in New York. Uh, weeks 14 through 17 of that season, Robbie graded out as wide receiver 5 by PFF. Darnold graded out as QB1 during those weeks. Yeah, that look on your face was worth that. that look, and, and I'm not saying, like, Darnold and Robbie Anderson are the next Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, uh, Drew Brees, Michael Todd. That's not what I'm trying to say here. But, I mean, it's not a substantial statement. But it's worth something because it shows chemistry. They've worked together. They've performed well together before. So, and Robbie said, too, Darnold's got that new glow in his eyes, right? And I, I'm convinced it's just that I'm not – I've been released from the, the curse of Adam Gase look. But, um, I mean, I, I don't know how much his TDs are going to go up. He only had three last season. Yeah. Um, going into last year, though, he averaged right around five TDs this season. I believe his career high was eight in a season. Um, so, I mean, I, I'd still expect right around five touchdowns for Robbie Anderson this year. Uh, I mean, he's a steal. He's going as wide receiver 33 in drafts right now. We're talking about a top 20 wide receiver last year. That's unbelievable. So, don't don't sleep on Robbie Anderson. Uh, he's worth I, – I, look, I mean, DJ Moore's in a very tempting spot too because he's going right in the range of like Cortland Sutton, Juju, Odell, um, right in that range. And I, I personally, I think I'd like DJ Moore more than those guys. But also at the same time – Man, Robbie's going in a just oh, you can take another, you can get more depth at running backing. You can probably pick a tight end in that range if you really want to, you know, level out your roster. You can probably take a QB, a Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, where DJ Moore is going. Um, but Robbie's a steal. Yeah, likely would surprise me if he finished higher than DJ Moore. And it sounds like Tyler, you have that in camera. I think you even just have that in your rankings. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I'm a Robbie Anderson believer. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And mainly because I had him on my fantasy team last year. Uh, all right. Uh, next is, I'm just going to ask for your one-word answer. Is Terrence Marshall worth drafting a redraft this year? Not a redraft. No. No. We, we I think we can all agree he's probably Dynasty. worth Dynasty. is definitely worth a look. He was in that Justin Jefferson role last year in LSU and thrived. So... You know what? I mean, that has a good track record. Well, so maybe. <laughs> I mean, his offensive coordinator is Joe Brady, who was his offensive coordinator at LSU. There you go. Robbie is on a has one year left on his deal, and he's twenty eight, going on twenty nine. Yeah. So it looks like. I mean, to probably the you know what we don't want to hear. Robbie is on the way out just because he's getting to an age where they don't want to pay yep. him, and he's going to want top ride receiver money. Yep. You have a rookie that will do exactly what Robbie does. So. Absolutely, there you, go. there you go. And then they have Dan Arnold as tight end, and we won't talk about Dan Arnold. Hey, you, uh, know, you know what? I will say, I have hope for Dan Arnold. Dan Arnold. I can't even pronounce his name. I should just stop talking. <laughs> Probably a good name. Yeah. I think Dan Arnold, I think he has a better chance to succeed this year. Arizona just didn't use the tight ends at all, but I'm also not saying Dan Arnold was a top 12 draftable tight end. But I don't know. I, I like him. I like him as a potential... If you're looking to stream a tight end, I think Dan Arnold might have a few good weeks in there. Is he your new Chris Herndon? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just had to, I had to ask. He fifth. might be us. <laughs> He's the fifth target on Sam Arnold's team. <laughs> no, no. Dan Arnold, he was one. I, I don't know. I just think of Greg Olson, Carolina. That's just some shame, so I just need to let that go. Yes. All right. Um, cut it. That was a terrible Dan Arnold. <laughs> <laughs> At least we talked it through. You know? right. We talked about <laughs> if anything else. We, we brought him out through of it. any Dan Arnold argument that you're going to bring up. Uh, last thing on the Panthers, what do you guys predict for their record? Oh, uh, we haven't given their schedule a ton of looks, but what do you what do you predict I, for their? Can like? we give the over under on like six? Sure, six and a half is their over under. If it's six and a half, I'm taking the under because I think they do six wins exactly. I'll say over because they do seven exactly. It'll be a seven and ten, or it'll be a six and eleven. Yeah. I'm gonna go six and a tie. Six, six and a tie, tie. <laughs> to Atlanta. <laughs> there we go. All right, you'll find out who my tie is later. <laughs> um, next, we move on to the Saints, who are maybe going through one of the biggest transitions out of any NFL team, coming off Hall of Famer Drew Brees to. Either Jameis Winston, the fantasy slinging. Hall of Famer. Oh, fan, I'm definitely. Or Taysom Hill, who could also be a fantasy Hall of Famer in his own right. <laughs> he might he might not throw for under over 150 yards, but he might be he might get you 20 fantasy points. Do you know Taysom Hill's 31? Sorry, I had to throw that out there. Is he really? I thought I thought I saw something like that. Yeah, he is old. He, it's not like he's he's no spring chicken anymore. Oh, give me famous Jameis. Oh, sorry, I just well, he's thirty. So, so we'll go into it before we start. Real quick, Ty, who's starting quarterback for the Saints at the beginning of this year? Jameis, Jameis, Lucas, who do you got? Uh, I don't know. In my rankings, show it. <laughs> Taysom, I'm going Jameis. So, I want it to be Jameis. I do. I want it to be Jameis. I can't force myself there yet. Right. I just can't. All right. Well, then we are going to. I'll let you tie. Talk about Jameis Winston. Let me throw out his 2019 stats real quick. 5,100 yards, 33 touchdowns, and 30 picks. But good the enough. The Crustacean for, King. Good enough for QB4. Mm-hmm. And he carried Godwin to second in points per game and Evans to fifth in points per game. So he can do it as a fantasy quarterback. Oh, yeah. 
What is your outlook if Jameis is starting this year? Oh, um, I think he's he he won't be a QB one. I can see it, but I don't think it'll happen. I think that's just because it's Sean Payton and just trying to be a little more cautious and not you know just let Jameis go do his it's thing. Not a Bruce Arians, right? Because if you let Jameis do his thing, he's doing what 2019 what he did in 2019 which is great for fantasy but not great for if you're an actual nfl franchise Mm -hmm. so um i think he's in a much better situation now than he was when he was with tampa because he has a very solid offensive line he's got he's still got weapons right i mean maybe he doesn't have two stars on the outside but m michael thomas and alvin Kamara are pretty good substitutes for Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. So I want to think that Winston also learned from Breeze when to just dump it down to Kamara. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think because of that, he will be able to get the ball downfield. But instead of just forcing throws now, he'll, he'll be able to go, oh, wait, no, I should just dump it off and let Kamara sure. do his thing. Mm-hmm. So... I think I think he sneaks into that high end quarterback two range. Um, can also see him, see him sneaking into quarterback one territory, but just wait and see at this point. Well, Lucas, you gave yourself that taking tame or taste the uh, taste mill segment. So so why don't why don't you let us know what your fancy outlook for Taysom Mill is? It if he is the starter this season? Uh, I mean, I think it's just going to be. It's going to be a lot of what we saw last season. Um, it'll be a lot of designed runs when they get in close to the end zone. It's going to be Taysom Hill bringing the football in. It's going to be a one-look read to Michael Thomas most of the time. And Alvin Camaro will – I mean, I can't imagine Sean Payton just leaves him out to dry like he mm. did last year. Uh, so I imagine Camaro still holds on to value. But that's why I want Jameis to be the starting quarterback because – those Saints players get infinitely better, infinitely better, mm-hmm. when Jameis is the quarterback. Uh, but I just can't, I can't force myself there yet. I mean, like I said, my rankings show it. I have Jameis at QB twenty-seven and Taysom at thirty-three because I just don't know who's going to start. Uh, clearly, my rankings say I want Jameis to start, but um, I, I'd expect le- solid QB two play from Taysom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would probably put him in like the probably in that 16 to 20 range for QBs, I would say, um, if you were to get the starting gig. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, the the big thing with Taysom is he's got the he's got the rushing upside that you want out mm-hmm. of every quarterback. I, I just don't know if it's a, a thing that can be sustained for the entire season. For sure. Because uh, it would be his first time as a full-time starter. And he's still got, you know, a big learning curve ahead of him with yeah. that, so... Definitely. Um, just a couple stats on uh, Taysom Hill. He had four rushing touchdowns um, in his time as a starter. All four came in the first two games. Um, he had double-digit rushing attempts in his first three games. Double-digit attempts? In his first three games, oh. rushing attempts. Wow. Uh, his passing yards were 233 against Atlanta, 78 against Denver, which was by far the best team they played. The defense they played. <laughs> Not team. Defense. defense. I'm going to clarify. I mean, although they played... Atlanta twice, Denver, and Philadelphia. So it's not like they played a top-tier team. They played a great team. Um, then they went 
Back to Atlanta, he had 232 passing yards, so literally the same um, amount of passing yards, almost the same amount of fantasy points. They scored 24-23. He had 17 against Denver, and then had 18 fantasy points and 291 passing yards against the Eagles. Also, he had two passing touchdowns in the last two games. So he went from two rushing touchdowns in the first two games to two passing touchdowns in the last two games. So at least you saw that, like, it, that kind of come along. And that kind of carried over to Alvin Kamara, who... Just speaking from a Taysom Hill point, went 10 and 5, 10 points, 5 points. But then he went 15 15 in those last two games where Taysom Hill wasn't quite running the ball as much. And I think that's, even if Taysom's starting, I don't think that they're going to run the ball as much as they did those first two games we saw him, just because he's going to get more comfortable in that offense. And I don't think, I mean, that's just not. Sean Payton hasn't done that. I mean, obviously, when you have Drew Brees, you're not going to try and do that. You know, you're not going to change your offense to. That, but I just got to believe that that's kind of where we're at. Um, Alvin Kamara, we're just—I'll just transition to him. I'm going to talk about him a little bit. You believed in him um, last season. 937 rushing yards, so not that great. But he had 16 rushing touchdowns. Of course, six again. Six of them came against our beloved Vikings, which. What course. a Christmas against, miracle, man. Against Unbelievable. our JV defense. I need right. to remind people that's about true. this. Our <laughs> JV defense. That's true. He also had. 107 targets, 83 catches, 756 yards, and five touchdowns. Over the first four years of his career, every single year he's had 80, 80 receptions and 1,400 yards from scrimmage. Uh, he's had at least 13 total touchdowns every year except 2019 when he was battling that MCL injury. So Alvin Kamara has been pretty much the definition of consistency. Although, to be fair, he has probably had the second most or second-best definition of consistency at quarterback in Drew Brees. I will give this one to Lucas. Lucas, how do you think Kamara's fantasy outlook changes this season? Ty, I'll kind of swing that one to you. You, you Actually, Lucas, you answer from Taysom's perspective real sure. quick, and Tyler, you give us Jameis's. I, I think no matter who's the quarterback, I was looking. So I was I went through Kamara's numbers beforehand. And honestly, I was expecting something like almost otherworldly with mm-hmm. how dominant he was last year. Um, but I came across those numbers, and in reality, like his 2018 numbers compared pretty well in comparison yeah. to his 2020 numbers, which uh, really shocked me. So, like Cameron, I know you referenced that 2019 season he was battling injury, but I mean, I think. If you're going to envision what a 2020 season Camara is like, I'm going to guess we're going to get something closer to that 2019 season mm-hmm. than we are to a 2018, a 2020 season. Um, I think you start to see, you know, Camara. I think that that safe floor of 14 and a half, 15 points a game in fantasy, uh, but it's going to be a consistent 15. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not going to be a Camara goes off for 35 one game and then. Oh crap! He runs into the San Francisco 49ers defense, mm. and or, you know, whatever the dominant defense happens to be this year, and all of a sudden he only puts up six. Right? Yeah. I, like I think it's going to be a consistent fifteen. Um, yeah. I, I I don't think his involvement changes. I just the thing with Taysom is if he's a quarterback, they're going to let him run the football. Yeah. To what capacity? We all hope it's towards you know the the last four games he started versus the first. Or the, the last, last two, two games yep. he started versus the first two he started out of his four games. So, um, I mean, I think no matter what, you still get a high ceiling safe floor. Yep. You get a top ten running back with top three upside. Perfect. And if you draft my wide running back three, I that's fine. 
I, I think that's totally fine. For sure. Ty, what do you think with Jameis? Does it change much? I think it's the exact same. Okay. I think the stats will come in differently. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I still, I still think, regardless of who's our quarterback, he's still going to be – he'll finish with – there's no good way to, like, you know, look at Jameis' stats versus Taysom's stats side-by-side side just because mm-hmm. he hasn't played with them before, in full seasons at least. But I think after this year, and if, let's say, they they go back and forth between Taysom and Jameis, they'll have – they yes, they will be very similar. They will – you know, one game you may see – Kamara catching a ton of passes because Jameis is in. Next game, it's a lot of rushing because Taysom is in, or whatever, whatever it may be, whatever combination it is. Yep. I think it'll he'll finish with very comparable and very similar stats for sure. All right, I'm gonna go super quick on this one. Uh, over under 80 catches for Kamara. I'm gonna go under. Under. All right, Ty, what do you got? I'm gonna go under too. Uh, yards from Kamara is 1400. Oh, that's tough because I'm going to, uh, if I'm assuming Taysom's a quarterback right now, I'm going to say under. Under. Over. Over. And uh, under or over 13 total touchdowns. That's what he's, that's what uh, he's that's done every year except 2019. That's tough because I, I, I could see him getting like 8-5, and five, mm-hmm. and that's what I want. Uh, again, I and, and I'm doing this as if Taysom Hill's a quarterback because that's what I yeah. said, and I'm going to stick by it. I'm going to say under. Which really doesn't justify me having him at running back four, but uh, I, I'm holding on to hope here. Yeah. Oh, this is tough because entering the game against the Vikings, he had ten touchdowns. So he had uh, right. It would have been ten if he added six. Fifteen then. total touchdowns. Already. So he entered with nine. He entered with fifteen total touchdowns. Oh, he entered he with finished 15. with twenty one with twenty one. <laughs> he's over. He he's over. <laughs> he's All right. over. All right. So the backup there is Latavius Murray. Um, he averages ten attempts a game. I mean, he's not a bad player. But if if Kamara gets hurt, I mean, yeah. Mur- you better give all of Latavius Murray's a phone. Latavius Murray fantasy owners a phone call then. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Jackson because Jackson takes Latavius every single year in there our league. Um, he's worth a spot on your team. Yeah. I mean, just in case Kamara does go down, but. I don't think he's fantasy relevant until Kamara goes down with something. For sure. All right, let's move on to probably the only pass catcher we're going to need to talk about, uh, Michael Thomas, who yep. we all kind of agree is maybe one of your best bargains you're going to find in your draft this year. Michael Thomas, let's let's remind you how crazy 2019 was. Mm-hmm. 185 targets. 149 receptions. 1,725 yards. Oh. And nine touchdowns. He was so good. And if you want to, th- if you think that's good, that's about three hundred seventy-one uh, fantasy points. McCaffrey outscored him by hundred. Oh, that's right. He had McCaffrey outscored him by a hundred. All right, so take him number one, please. So, so that I mean, that brings us back to the Panthers. But same with Mike Tom. I mean, he was ridiculously good. I mean, he was. I was. It's a year comparable to what kind of what one we just saw from Devontae Adams. Yep. And last year, the only reason he wasn't there is because of injury. So, let's do this one real quick. Lucas, Taysom Hill, Michael Thomas. What do you think? Gunslinging. Uh, Michael Thomas is the one-look read for Taysom Hill. Uh, <laughs> one one thing you didn't mention uh, in in your stats, he was wide receiver one by 98 fantasy points. 
He outscored every other man. fantasy wide receiver by nearly man. 100 points. Yeah. And we thought Chris Godwin had a good year that year. He was wide receiver <laughs> too. He had four more fantasy points per game than Chris Godwin did. Yeah. Oh, man. So when Chris Godwin had 20, Michael Thomas had 24, okay? Um, and, and last year was only year being under 100, or under 1,100 yards for his career. So uh, we saw it. Taysom's his one look. Uh, it's a one look sling it to Michael Thomas on a slant. One look, um, you know, sling it deep. Lucky game. If Michael Thomas finishes with less than eight touchdowns this year, I would be surprised. So, absolutely a guy who's being taken. I'm, I'm at wide receiver seven, and that's just being safe, I think, on Michael Thomas. Um, I I agree. With Taysom last year, I, I, I know it's only four games, but it's literally the only four-game stretch that Michael Thomas had where he was healthy. It was on pace for 157 targets, 127 receptions, and 1,450 yards. Do I see two games with nine receptions for over 100 yards? Yes. That's 19 fantasy points. To be fair, they were both against Atlanta. I but... don't care. <laughs> I don't care. But, yeah, I mean, he, so he, he was putting up great numbers with Taysom Hill. Who oh. You're like, oh, he's not a quarterback. Like, if you're going to call anyone a running back who plays quarterback, it's Taysom Hill. But he still put up, you know, pretty good points. Obviously, he didn't score a touchdown, so we, I'm not going to average that's out nine, That's 19 that's fantasy 19 points a game. Without a touchdown. So if there wasn't a touchdown, you're 25 fantasy points. I'm taking that all day long. And you're getting, day. And you're getting this day. man the third round. Yeah, oh. that's why. Uh, at as hey, can you give me our Instagram handle? Yeah, at, at the FF fellas. <laughs> you can go see follow a, us. You can see a post that I made. <laughs> <laughs> why Michael Thomas is a bargain pick in fantasy drafts? Yes. It's because he can do exactly that, yeah. and he, you can get him in the third round. And he did that the two years before 2019 too. It's not like 29. It was like just 20. I mean, he was that good. I mean, he had 100 receptions in 2017 and 2018. I mean, he is that good. And he and I think he's good enough too. That no, I mean, if Taysom is, is he in, better with Jameis? Yes. No. Oh, yes. Do you think Ty? I think he is. In in what way? Uh, fantasy wise, is I, he better? I, is he better with Jameis? Fantasy wise, I think of all, I, I think of it. He's better with Jameis because Taysom isn't going to have the ball in his hands so much. Because Taysom, like yes, he's Taysom's one look, but Taysom's going to run the ball. Like we mm-hmm. we know that we know he's going to run the ball. So I I don't know, and I I, I just like Jameis's experience and big arm more than I like sure Taysom Hill's experience. I will say I think. I think he I think Michael Thomas is better with Jameis just because I don't think you or I don't think Sean Payton has to limit Michael Thomas to just yes. curl routes and slants. Yes. yes. He can use Michael Thomas all over the field. I mean yep. I go back to um the divisional game against the Vikings in twenty seventeen and it's him and Xavier Rhodes. All that they were doing was just crossing routes, like across the field. And so maybe just you could call it a longer slant. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, they were starting to use Michael Thomas all over the field, and he was making Xavier Rhodes pay for it. Yeah. So I think because you have a capable quarterback who has starter experience in Jameis Winston, mm-hmm. you're able to kind of take the lid off of MT and say, just <laughs> run over the run all over the place. Mm-hmm. If you get open, Jameis will hit you. Now it's for a different sure. – different scenario for Jameis then because one bad ball is an interception for Jameis. That's just how it happens. But, yes, I I think Michael Thomas is better with Jameis than with Taysom. Perfect. So that's kind of our thoughts. I guess last guy is their tight end, Adam Troutman, who is kind of turned into a Henry Ruggs of he's a sleeper that everybody knows about. And, I mean, he's young. He 
but maybe if you want to take a shot at a younger tight end, if you're like me and you punt on a tight ends and you're just like, you know what, I want to take a shot on maybe he's the guy, but he's not someone that you're going to be like, oh, I'm going to take him eighth round. You know, like, he, you're not taking him above the top 12, so. Can I give you two names who I'd rather take instead of Troutman at this point? If they're Kelsey and Waller, I'm going to quit. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, these are, these are tight ends that I kind of would group together with Troutman of the, like, they're on the younger side, but, like, you could see them yeah. doing for something. Sure, for sure, Dan Arnold. I'm just kidding. No, oh, you wish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cole Komet. Yeah, Bears. Um, I think just Nagy being off of the um, – being from the Kansas City offense and more specifically the Andy Reid tree. Tight ends are a big part of that offense. Yeah. So I think Nagy sees a little bit of, you know, a – Good, solid tight end in Komet. That's why Jimmy Graham kind of fell off at the end of last year, and mm-hmm. Komet kind of came on. Um, but another guy is Blake Jarwin of the Dallas Cowboys. Right. And now you may go, but wait, CeeDee Lamb, Zeke, and Amari Cooper, and I Michael Gallup. And Dalton Schultz. <laughs> and, and Dal- so Blake Jarwin was tight end one before he got hurt for the season. Dalton Schultz came in. Can I give you some stats on Dalton Schultz? I think you guys are going to go for it. You guys are going to be shocked. I was a Dalton Schultz owner for multiple weeks last season. Dalton Schultz finished with 89 targets. That's ninth out of tight ends. And he was a backup. And he finished with 63 catches. That was fifth out of all tight ends. And everyone wants to say, well, there's too many mouths to feed. Amari, CD, Zeke, and Dalton Schultz played. All those games together. Sure. And he still put all that up. Granted, it's back of quarterbacks, mediocre offensive line. Maybe he'll see it. Maybe Jarwin won't be the same as Schultz. But McCarthy obviously wanted to add a little bit of a tight end element into the offense. So that's why I say Blake Jarwin and Cole Komet as two other guys to maybe look at instead of Troutman. All right. Let me put it on the record. I like Blake Jarwin far more than Dan Arnold. <laughs> I just feel like I dug myself into a yeah, hole right. with my Dan I, Arnold. you got to redeem yourself. With my Dan Arnold, but I just need to make myself clear. Anyways, go ahead. Gary. All right. Well, that wraps up. I guess let's do, let's do the same thing with the Panthers. Um, Saints, let's say nine and a half wins. Over, under. Man. <laughs> That's what Vegas has in that, by the way. Okay. That would explain why. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take the under because I'm going to put them at nine. Well, that'd be nine and eight. I'm going to take the over ten and seven. Yes, over 10-7. Oh, I'm going under 9-8. 8 and 9 8-9? I could see it. I, mean, I wanted to say 6-11, and 11, but I couldn't bring myself to do it. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that, that wraps up the first half of our uh, NFC South. Uh, next episode, we'll go over the Bucks and the... Falcons. Falcons, that's the team I forget <laughs> so you about. Can do it. They are so irrelevant, I couldn't even think of the name. I was going to say. Uh, Lucas, hit us with those social media handles. We're uh, FF Fellas on Twitter, the FF Fellas on Instagram, Fantasy Football Fellas, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. Go give us a follow. You can see my face on TikTok more. Cameron's on there a few times, too. And with that, deuces. And we will see you on Friday. Deuces. Deuces.
thanks again for tuning into the Fantasy Football Fellows podcast today. Make sure to subscribe so you get notifications of all of our weekly podcasts now on Wednesdays and Fridays. Uh, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, make sure to subscribe, turn on those notifications. You can do the same for our social media, FF Fellas on Twitter, the FF Fellas on Instagram. And hey, we're on YouTube if you want to see us uh, video record these podcasts. Fantasy Football Fellas there. Uh, same thing on Facebook and TikTok, Fantasy Football Fellas. If you want even more insights see any of our rankings, uh, head on over to fantasyfootballfellas.com. I uh, got all sorts of rankings there. You can see our first mock draft that we did a few weeks ago. Uh, all sorts of different exciting content there we have for you as well. Three Stooges, just being dudes. Deuces.